Welcome to the Pencils and Lipstick Podcast, a weekly podcast for writers. Grab a cup of coffee, perhaps some paper and pen, and enjoy an interview with an author, a chat with a writing tool creator, perhaps a conversation with an editor or other publishing expert, as well as Kat's thoughts on writing and her own creative journey. You'll laugh, you'll cry, well, hopefully not actually cry, but you will probably learn something. And I hope you'll be inspired to write. Because as I always say, you have a story, you should write it down. This is Pencils and Lipstick. Hey everyone, welcome back to Pencils and Lipstick. I am Kat Caldwell, your hostess, and this is episode 179 of the show. We just keep trucking forward. Today is an interview show, so this intro part is going to be short. But this is the week that we are talking about the Write With Us online writing retreat 2023. This is our fiction retreat um, geared towards fiction, but honestly, if you're writing a memoir, you will benefit from it as well. We are very excited. I am putting this together with Marcy Renee, the same woman that I am putting together the in-person retreat. And we are so excited to launch this. It is happening May 16th and 17th. It is a two-day intensive retreat. Um, there are seven workshops. There are, I think there are three writing sprints sprinkled without throughout. There is a meet and greet. There are two giveaways. So both days we are going to be giving away fun products that um, you can use to help your writing along. And we're re- we're really, really excited about it. It's been a lot of work to put it together, but we wanted to be able to put together a in-person retreat, which will be happening in September the 17th through the 23rd. And I will just launch that right after this retreat. And so you you can click on the links in the show notes below, but you'll find out more about it in two weeks time. This week and next week, we're going to tell you all about the online retreat because we wanted to also have a retreat for everyone. So it doesn't matter where you live, um, you can come and join us. So all the times are going to be in Eastern Standard Time. So that's New York City time. If you're outside of the States, it's from 9 a.m. to 5 p.m. Tuesday and Wednesday, May 16th and 17th. But everything is being recorded. Everything is going to be streamed to a private Facebook group. You will get access to the recordings for life if you purchase a ticket. Um, you can also get access to the recordings in the Facebook group as well if you pers- purchase a ticket. So we are very excited. You will have live workshops with the um, invited guest authors who are going to present to you brand new workshops that they have created for this that they haven't given to anyone else. So we are having Beth Barani and Louis George said and Stacey Juba and Emma Desi and Marcy Renee and Tracy Gardner and myself each um, teach you something new, something that you can bring and implement into your writing right away. So be sure to click the link below. And um, until Friday, you can get $30 off. So you can get in for just $97. That is the coupon link below. If you happen to go to catcaldwell.com forward slash um, online writing retreat, uh, you can use the coupon code write with us all in caps until May 5th. And then it will be the price of 127. That all comes with five bonus ebooks, one from each 
almost each <laughs> of the seven of us. Um, and then the giveaways will be something completely different, actually. I'm very excited about the giveaways. Um, they are all of monetary value. So it's not just like a thank you <laughs> on the webpage or something like that. So we're very excited about it. Um, the links are in the show notes below, but you can go to catcaldwell.com forward slash online dash writing dash retreat and get more information about it. See our lovely faces, get the itinerary. Um, you can also click on the code below to just go straight to the checkout and get your $30 off until May, May 5th. Sorry. And get it, get in for just $97. So I think it's a steal. I think seven workshops for life. Um, I think you're really going to enjoy it. You're going to meet other writers. I just highly recommend you come. <laughs> I know all the work that went into getting everything together. And I know the authors. I've met all of them. I've interviewed most of them on my podcast. Yeah, most of them. <laughs> I think everyone but Marcy has been on my podcast. So um, we're very excited about it. The Write With Us Online Writing Retreat 2023. Woohoo! Um, it's finally here. It's finally coming. So the other thing that I wanted to tell you guys about is um, how much I am enjoying Plotter. I know that I'm not a plotter. I'm more like a puzzler, which is what Lewis George said came up with for the Launchpad book. Um, I do kind of skip ahead sometimes on my stuff, but I decided that I was going to use Plotter and I told you all that I was going to. So I thought I'd give you a little bit of an update on how I'm doing it. So this is how I'm doing it. As a little bit of a puzzler, there are times that I'm washing dishes and I get an idea. And sometimes I have the time to write out the scene, but a lot of times I don't. And so what I'm doing is putting it into Plotter. And I'm naming the scene what I think it's going to be. So the relevatory scene for Tristan came to my head the other day and I put in all of the um, the details that I had at the moment and I just left it there. It's sort of the dialogue that had come to my head, the, the scenery and what I think should happen. And the reason that I'm doing that is because A, I don't want to lose the idea, but B, um, it might change slightly, like the idea, what I want to be conveyed in that relevatory scene isn't going to change, but, but you never know where the setting might change, right? And so now that I am sort of done with putting together the Write With Us online writing retreat, getting all that back end stuff done, um, I'm going back to writing Bend in Love. And honestly, I haven't been able to really work on it for like two weeks. Um, which feels like a long time. So what I did was decided to, that I was going to go back to the beginning and plot it out on the plot. So I have the little scenes that I haven't written out sort of in there. I have like the, I have three ending scenes. I have the relevatory scene. I have a couple other scenes that I had pulled just like the ideas and things out there and whatever I could get. I mean, plotter, you can put like tons of of words into this little card, right? Everything that you want. And so some of them have a lot of words and some of them just have like bullet points. So then I went back to the beginning and I really wrote down like the key ideas for ch like chapter to chapter. So I'm only on chapter eight, I believe, and I have 16 written. So I'm going to get that done. Um, and get that into Plotter as I'm reading and sort of editing and, you know, reminding myself what is happening. And that way, I think that I'm going to be able to see the full 
arc of what's happening um, to make sure that what's in my head <laughs> is actually on paper and that the key scenes that I wanted to have happen, the key moments are actually getting in there. And so I'm pretty pleased with it. It's very easy to use. I can use it across my computers. Um, I can use it on my tablet or my phone as well. So I just wanted to give you guys an update. I am actually really happy with that software. Um, I I'm don't plot like many of you plotters out there, but I think that it's very key and, and helpful, honestly, in the way that my life is right now, in that I don't get to focus only on one book at a time. Or maybe that's just how I am. <laughs> like I don't focus at one, on one book as, at a time. Like I did that for Stepping Across the Desert. I did that for Audience with a King. I was focused on just those those two projects. But as I am coaching people and putting together retreats, and I'm really happy with it, I'm excited and I'm loving the work. I'm just not able to keep my brain really focused on the story as much as I would like. And so it's nice to be able to go and get those bullet points and and see that arc and be able to make sure that what I have always thought the story should be is actually getting on paper. So Again, I think you guys should check it out. I am an affiliate, but that's because I really like it. So I wouldn't keep telling you guys about it as an affiliate if I didn't like it. Um, I am really excited to have Troy come in and do a workshop for us pretty soon. Uh, We are working it out, but Plotter is definitely worth fiddling around with and seeing if you can see yourself doing it, even if you're a puzzler or a discovery writer like I am. Sort of keeps everything together. Now, granted, like I still have, if you're watching on YouTube, all these notebooks in which I write stuff down. I mean, I can't get rid of paper. Um, But it's nice to be able to take all these notes and put them into one digital thing and know that I'm not like losing my mind <laughs> because I lost my journal. Um, you know, cause that happens actually. Um, eight, because I don't keep the same journal. I mean, you should see my desk. I have seven journals around here. It's just ridiculous. So I think you guys should check it out. The, um, link is in the show notes below. If you want to find out more about Plotter, I had, uh, Troy on talking about Plotter a couple of episodes ago and you can check that one out. And then I had him on talking about his own books um, there are other things, softwares out there. I've tried all of them, but Plotter is the only one that I stuck with. So anyway, so I mentioned YouTube. We are on YouTube now. We have all the videos on YouTube. No, most of the videos on YouTube. So like seasons one and two, I don't have videos anymore. Sorry, guys. Um, you probably don't want to see those videos <laughs> anyway, but any recent videos um, are up on YouTube and Uh, You can follow us there. You can see the interviews happening. You can see my lovely office as it keeps going. You know, I don't think I added anything new to it this week, though. Um, And I'm still not showing you that corner. So anyway, otherwise, you can listen to us on all the podcast apps. Please share the podcast with your writerly friends. We um, would really appreciate it if you get the news out there. This is our fourth year um, and podcasting ever since COVID, like there are tons of podcasts out there, right? And some of them are great and we think ours is great. So we would love for you to share out, you know, your, 
the the link, you know, that you're listening, show us that you're listening, tag us um, on on Instagram, it's pencils and lipstick all spelled out, or on Twitter, pencils lipstick. We would love to see, you know, what you're doing. What do you do to move your body, to get up out of this seat? Ugh, I've been sitting in this seat all day long. Um, but I did go to a solid core, which by the way, <laughs> wow, that place is crazy. Um, so I, I think you should go take a walk. I'm not going to recommend solid core. It's insane. Um, it's great, but it's insane. <laughs> but show us, tag us wherever you're listening. Share us with your friends. Give us a review on your favorite podcast app. Be sure to subscribe both on YouTube and your podcast app because it shows us that people are listening. Um, and if you guys have any questions or have any guest suggestions, you can pitch them at pencils and lipstick all spelled out on Instagram or Pencils Lipstick on Twitter. You can subscribe to my newsletters in the links below, whether you're a writer or a reader. You can find out even more about what I am doing in the writing world and in my book world. Um, yes, and I think we're going to keep it at that for today. So today I have with me Chris K. Jones, and I really enjoyed talking to Chris. In fact, after we hit the no longer recording video uh, button, we just kept talking. So he was really fun to talk to. But Chris K. Jones is a recovering serial entrepreneur, which he's going to talk about, who quit at the peak of his career to honor the promise he made to himself at 19 that he would become a writer. Chris splits his time between Terrytown, New York and Barbados, lucky him, where he finds time to swim with turtles and observe cloud animals. Although he doesn't have children, his inner eight-year-old keeps him on his toes. He is an extrovert who has decided to work in the world's loneliest profession, writing. <laughs> writing his first novel, Headcase, has been part the best form of therapy he has ever had. So let's get on to the interview. Hello, everyone. Today I have with me Chris K. Jones. Hi, Chris. How are you doing? Hi, Kat. How are you? Thanks for having me on. Of course. Thanks for coming. Um, there are so many things to talk about today with your book, Headcase. But before we get into it, would you just introduce a little bit about yourself to the listeners? Sure. I am a recovering serial entrepreneur who always wanted to write. And it was a sign of what I wanted to do. But I first, I didn't want to be a or starving artists. So I went out <laughs> and uh, had a life as building companies. And I was the chief financial officer of my company. So CFO by day and right at night. And then finally got to a point, sold my company and uh, I was able to focus on my writing. I, and, and I wrote my first book. Uh, it came out a year ago. Awesome. So in, in this month. How does it feel to have the book like two different dreams, right? So you have your company, that's really cool to have built a company. And then to be able to quit that and write a book and have it out, like finish the book and have it out. Like, does it, does it feel like a different kind of success? Yeah, absolutely. Very different type of success, as well as just a very different experience mm. of being, I, I kind of joke that I'm an extrovert in the world's loneliest profession. Yes. And, and <laughs> you know, I never realized that. So we went into the pandemic and my last day at the company I co-founded as chief financial officer, that was January 31st, 2020. Oh man. So, 
we went right into, you know, the pandemic, I kind of had a month to figure out what I was, you know, where, how I was going to do with my writing and this and that. And then we went into the pandemic. And uh, so then it was really easy because I had nothing to do but write. (laughs) So uh, yeah, then I, um, I decided my, my attorney sent me a notice about uh, Barbados. He's from Barbados and I'd been there many times and uh, that they had this welcome stamp program so in September 2020, I packed everything up and lived down in, in Barbados for you know, close to two years. Oh, that's nice. They let you in during the pandemic. Yeah. So they wanted people to come down because tourism was was over. There was no tourists. Was there, um, so yeah, went down. I had a one-year um, visa, which I still have. You know, I renewed the visa. Right. And I, I was able to write my first book from the beach. You know, it was... Uh, and then, nice. <laughs> yeah, it wasn't not it wasn't too hard. Uh, but I did realize, you know, it was also motivating because I realized, okay. you know, growing up with nothing and going out and working real hard and lots of sacrifice and and I I knew each day like, hey, this is the writer's dream. Right. So sit your ass down, get to work. You know, so you know, I had my you know my process: get up, exercise, meditate, and then sit down and okay the writing and yeah I got to take a break and go for a swim and then right. come back and but it was really that was the motivating factor because I knew other people didn't have this opportunity that I did and I had to take advantage of it and it was yes it was very great and motivating and you know I had a lot of research I had to do but with Google and in Google Maps it was uh you could do there's no excuse if you okay. If you're a reader, if your reader is taken out by poor research, that's on you because there's no reason for poor research because right. everything is right. I these the searches that I did and found tons of articles was really amazing. So we're we're very lucky as writers that yes. we don't have to sit in the library all day. That we just go out to Wikipedia, Google Maps for places where you're getting pictures and images and and things like that. So and also fashion is a I do integrate fashion into my book about what he's wearing. It's a very, you know, there's pro athletes and he's a psychologist and, uh, and I like fashion. So it was like finding the type clothes that they would wear and women, I don't know what women wear. So I had to research it, like label what the dresses were and make sure it was the right one. And then check with my friends. I'm like, is this a good one? And is this like, so there's no, I think, uh, we're as writers, we're really in a great, uh, place to be able to get all our research done so quickly. Well, you can write anywhere. Yeah, you, know, you can that's be true. in your home, you can be on the train, you can do anything and you can really write anywhere you need to be. Yeah. Well, I I love your attitude though. Like wherever you are, it, it is true that if you have the opportunity to write a book, no matter, even if you're writing it after work, like, you know, if you have found the time to carve out that time to write, it it's awesome. Like wherever you're doing it from and just having that I think it's the mental block more than anything you know, to get over is like seeing it as an opportunity and a blessing just to be able to get it out. Right. I mean, write yeah, it down I, I, on paper. That's what I did. I know CFO by day and came home and wrote at night and yeah, it was hard. Luckily uh, I'd have a lot of neuroplasticity between both my right and left hemispheres of my brain. So I can make that switch from very analytical type of work. But then, and then going into the creative, the interesting thing that I had to learn was I'm my whole life as an athlete, 
coach, entrepreneur, I've been very results driven. Okay. And writing is process driven. That's true. And that okay. is not my best thing. So learning not just to create my spreadsheet with, you know, my pages per day and all my analytics and metrics and just say, just sit and write and enjoy the process. That's mm. very hard for me. Okay. Because, you know, so I've had to learn to reframe my brain and retrain it in like, it's okay that, you know, I only got a thousand five hundred words done today. That's okay. Did I have a good experience? Did I feel that what I wrote was quality work? Do I feel that I'm continuing the arc of the characters and that in in feeling good about what I did? And also, yeah. like, I mean, working 12, 14 hour days was routine, six, seven days a week. When you're an entrepreneur, that's the way it was with a startup. But I find that after five hours of good, solid creative work, I was done. And yeah. the diminishing returns after that point where it was just, you know, every once in a while I got in a real zone and I would put seven, eight, nine hours in, but it was pure joy, right? It was good. But I knew like after that five hours, I could start seeing it and like, okay, I'm done. Yeah, that's and true. Then, and and accepting that is really a battle as well. I know I'm, I'm really results driven too. It's like, I need some way to measure what I'm doing and I can get almost addicted. So I have to like put away the Google spreadsheet because in the end, like you said, if you put 5,000 words down that you're going to delete 4,000 of them because you just push too hard, what's right. the point? <laughs> you yeah, have you, to. You hit it on the head, the pushing part. Like I can muscle a spreadsheet, right? I could just bang on it for however long, but you can't muscle a manuscript. It, right. It has to just come. It has to flow. And you have to be willing to not just put the words down because you have this metric. The one thing I did have to do to feed, because I did have this, you know, constant mm-hmm. CFO in my brain going, hey, what are we going to do? When are you done? What are the results? When are you going to make some money on this and this and that? And just to tell him to be quiet. Right. I uh, I kept a timesheet. Okay. So I logged my time every day. And so it took me, when people say, how long did it take you to write? I can tell you exactly. 714 okay. and a half hours. Oh, that's awesome. Okay, so that's I a whole new it, way to do it. From December 2021, no, 2020 to um, like, uh, you know, almost October, November 2021. So I started it in, in you know, late you know, um, 21, 20, and then finished it in 21 okay. and then published it in March of 22. So, but it, it was good because I wanted to know like, okay, right. how long does it take and what, what can I base the next one on and, and be a realistic also versions. I mean, God, the published version was version 8.4. Oh, that's funny. <laughs> that's how many rewrites. <laughs> yeah. So I'm really big on version control. You know, that just comes from, from tech stuff, but uh, and I'm really, and it was really good. And I had two editors, uh, yeah. designers and, uh, and my editors were great. And I learned a lot from them. Okay. Uh, but even then, I think the next time when I do this one, not only will I have my developmental editor and my line editor, I'm getting a proofreader too, because right. we all miss stuff. And I think we yes. got book fatigue, you know, we definitely got book fatigue. Yes. Um, <laughs> yes. We know the story too well, right? Yeah. And, and that proofreader, you really need to find someone who's just, as one author told me, a friend of mine, he said, your proofreader should be annoying. If your <laughs> proofreader isn't just completely annoying and questioning you on every little thing, they're not doing their job. Oh, so that's a funny way to put it. Yeah. 
you, they should be absolutely almost like on the spectrum type of just beyond anal. And that's a good, good, good thing because they're right. going to catch stuff that you're going to like, oh, crap. So, well, it's interesting because you're, you're an entrepreneur that takes a certain personality, but you seem very humble in like, because a lot of writers don't do well with editors, multiple editors. We just feel like, oh, you're you're changing my baby. You know, it's, it feels very personal to people. So having a very anal uh, proofreader, I can I can imagine quite a few writers would just be very <laughs> upset about that and almost take it personally. Well, I guess that's part of the advantage because to me, best idea wins okay. and I don't care where it comes from. I okay. want, I want Headcase to be the, in my series, I want it to be the best product and I don't have a problem calling my art a product mm -hmm. and I want it to be the best product that it can because I'm writing this to not only entertain and it, it covers so about the book real quick. So yeah. Headcase is about uh, Dr. Andrew Beck, who's the go-to sports psychologist for troubled athletes. And there's not a head he can't fix except his own. And of course, his own, <laughs> he's a psychologist. Yeah, course, right? <laughs> so when his own uh, childhood traumas and okay. gambling addiction gets the best of him, he makes a bet using his insider knowledge on his athletes. And it leads him down this dark path of blackmail, mysterious murder, and life or death bluffing. And while it, it's a thriller, it also talks, another part of it is about mental health and sports as a, okay. as a competitive athlete, spending time around athletes and Olympians and learning just some of the issues that they go on their off field and just how many of them had traumatic and horrific childhoods growing mm. up and being able to really talk about that. Uh, you, you are seeing in many places where like in shows where there is a psychologist like in Ted Lasso, but you never see it in session. Okay. where you're in session with with Andrew and his clients and right. um, where he's very compartmentalized. He's great with his clients, but then he can't even see his own addictions and his own traumas and what they've done to him. Oh, uh, that's cool. Yeah. So it's very, it, it's so the mental health part is part of it as well. So I want this to be something that people, one, they just are enjoy. They pick mm -hmm. up 20 minutes before they go to bed and they had a little bit of joy. They get a break from their difficult life. And if I can do that, if I can entertain them, then I've succeeded. Uh, whether I sell one book or a million, it's really the people who, you know, the, the emails I get back and saying how much they enjoyed it. And, and they're actually pretty surprised because I think, you know, they're, they don't, no one had very high expectations, of me, <laughs> oh, no. including, including my mom. So I have oh. a quote on my website. So I bring my mom down to Barbados and she's reading like a draft and she's going through it. And every time she finds like a little typo, she gets all excited. And, and then she's about three quarters of the way through and she turns to me and goes, Chris, you know, I didn't think it was going to be this good. Oh, <laughs> that's very nice. <laughs> like, Thanks mom. You want to restate that? <laughs> so yeah, a lot of my friends would, and people I knew and colleagues, they bought the book just to help me out. But then they wrote back like, oh, wow, this was really good. Oh, that's but, nice. So, yeah, it's nice to know, like, because people never saw that side of me. So right. writing, it, it does. It's not something I always want. I mean, I always say that it was the best form of therapy I ever had. And being okay. able to to be present with what I was feeling and and how my characters can make me feel. And, you know, I've been in like a cafe writing and like, get choked up like oh is anyone seeing me because of what my characters are going through right and uh yeah and sometimes people have said like are these real people I'm like no I've made them all up right but you drew from your experience of just 
20 years in the business of sports and, and coaching and all that? Yeah. So yeah, I worked um, as a young man in professional sports teams, but it was a lot of my own competition and just, uh, I competed in judo. I was a wrestler in college and then competed okay. in judo and then also coached soccer and, um, and just things I saw, uh, things I spoke to research with other athletes, spoke to Olympians and, and other athletes and, uh, and just a lot of research, uh, Michael Phelps, uh, weight of gold was really, you should watch that. That just tells, you know, how tough it is for even gold medal winners. And so I, I asked that to a lot of people. I'm like, who do you think are the most happiest, the gold, silver or bronze winners? So who would you think are the most happiest? A, a gold well, medal winner? I feel like gold? it's a trick question. <laughs> <laughs> so go with that. I guess we would always say gold, but now I feel like you're going to say silver. <laughs> oh, the bronze medalist. The bronze, the bronze medalist. Because a lot of times they weren't even expected to win. So they're happy oh, they got a medal. They got or up on the podium. If they were expected to win and they just had a bad um, showing, they're motivated to go back and, and go. Interesting. Uh, next is a silver medalist because they made it. And, and even though they're, they just missed that, it's the same thing, whether they expect it or not. If they're expected, okay, just came up short. I'm going to work harder. But the gold medalist, after all this fanfare, they go home and people have moved on. And, and there's like this emptiness about 30 to 60 days after the games where some of them really, I mean, even someone in my own sport, you know, he committed suicide. And it's not unusual oh, no. for a lot of uh, athletes to commit suicide um, because of just the depression and just the letdown and like, what do I do now? What happens? I've, I've hit the pinnacle. I'm 20 something years old. Yeah, it's really quite interesting. All the research I came through and um, about athletes and yeah, they go through a lot and they, they don't get, a, they're starting to get sympathy, which is great, but they don't get a lot because wow, they're rich, famous, they're playing a game. Yeah. Uh, you know, they have everything they want. Why should I feel sorry for them? But if you you know, everybody deserves compassion. Everybody right. deserves understanding. And it doesn't matter where you came from, but what most of athletes had to come through in order to just be a professional. I mean, you're talking about, you know, yeah. just small. Like giving percentage. up their childhood, really, to become a profession, right? right? And then even after. So I even cover right. that in the book about what happens when it's all over and you're in your 20s, maybe 30 years old, and your career is over. That's so crazy, isn't it? This is all you've done since the time you're six years old. You don't know anything else. Right. That's a, how dealing with that. And I dealt with that in, in the book as well. Oh, that's really, I mean, it, it spans a lot of information then. So like you had to do all this research, but at the same time, that's a little depressing. Like, how did you deal with that? Just yourself as a writer, do you, like if it was just a tough day of research. Yeah. I mean, I, I think. It was my job as the storyteller to really tell what's going on. And yes, there's things like if I read them aloud or this or that, I get choked up every single time. And it's interesting. It's like I wrote it, right? Just like saying things <laughs> I laugh at every time. I'm like, is that egotistical of me? Like I laugh at my own joke, <laughs> right? I don't know. But it's funny, you know? And the same thing, there's things that just get me every single time that will bring a tear to my eye and, and choke me up. And um, it's just, you know, it's just uh, hopefully the reader is getting that impact too. Right, right. Uh, when they talk about the things that happen in their families and 
and, and how their childhood was. And so much really does go back to that and yeah. the generational trauma. So yeah, I take it. No, it's kind of hard to be depressed when I look up and I just see, the ocean, <laughs> see the 85 and sunny every single day. <laughs> but I, I, I will tell you this, there were times when like after days of like doing this, I would get up. I'm like, I need to see a real human being. I just see 20 people in my head. Like I need to see what a real human and like go out and like talk to people because you, you do get caught up. And the same thing, like, uh, you know, while I was going through all the, the bookmarking stuff and readings and doing things like there was a time in, like, in the fall, I was like, I miss my characters. I haven't hung out with them in a long time. <laughs> like I was, I actually remember like feeling like, oh, I miss them, you know? So, yes. Yes. Experience. Writers are weird when it comes down to that point of like, I haven't been alone all day, but I have been alone all day and I need, <laughs> I need to, it's like, oh yeah, we get a bit weird, don't we? So yeah. I do want to ask you because you're, you know, a CFO by day, like I'm married to a CFO. So that's a lot of work. Like there, you guys are always working. I mean, now you get to write for a living, but um, how did you find the time to learn how to write a psychological thriller? Like, I feel, I feel like that's a, that's a big step right there. That's not just like, Oh, I'm going to write a short story or I'm just going to write a memoir. (laughs) I feel like psychological thriller that takes some plotting and some planning and, things have to come together, right? And research and all that. So did you did you wait until after you quit to really learn the structure no. of that? Or did you do it before? No, it was like 2016. I really started to take my writing seriously. Okay. I started doing playwriting. I went to, I got accepted to our local theater and I wrote a play about uh, called Twisted Metal about two Marines and their PTSD. I tend to write about mental health more than okay. anything. Um, and... Then uh, I came up with this idea for Headcase, and I was actually, it started out as a TV pilot, and I hired a, st- a screenwriter to teach me the business, because I would, you know, I was way too busy running my company, right. and teach me how to write that, and then I wrote it, and of course, you submit it to contests, it got destroyed, you know, they just ripped it <laughs> to shreds, and you do it all over again. They just again. love that, don't they? <laughs> yeah, that's all right, and then, you know, we went into the right, and I, and I worked on that for a while as a screenplay, it started to do well. I won contests and uh, in England and Toronto uh, and LA. So I won a bunch of New York, a bunch of contests. I thought, okay, great. And then the writer strike happened. And then we went into pandemic and I asked the uh, you know person in the business, I'm like, what should I do? Like, should I make, should I turn it into a novel? She's like, yeah, do that. I'm like, okay, great. And okay. uh, so I had to learn now after spending years of writing dialogue, I'm very comfortable with writing dialogue. I love dialogue. It's a lot of fun. I had to learn to write narrative. And I was, right. that's probably why I went to screenplays over, um, you know, doing a novel in the beginning, because I just really enjoy the dialogue. Yeah. But what I found was surprising was the narrative. I was dreading the narrative. I was absolutely dreading it. But it gave me a lot of freedom because now I can... Because in screenplays, you're not supposed to, the writer is not supposed to direct from the page. Right, not right. supposed to say what the actor should do, what should, they should think, look. But now I'm the cinematographer, I'm the director, and I can tell how Andrew is feeling. And I take him through. Um, so you really are with him all along. You know what he's thinking, what he's feeling. 
in his body, what he hears, what he tastes, sounds like I really made it very experiential. So the person really goes on. And then the narrative was freeing for me because I was able to now really get into his head. Um, I told it from a single point of view. It's only okay. from, from Andrew's point of view. And that was a choice. I thought, you know, Ross recommended by one of my editors, like, just, just do that. So you were really with him all the time. He makes bad decisions, you know, uh, and yet it's interesting when he's this flawed hero that people still feel for him. And he's like, come on, you can, oh, what did you do? <laughs> you know, he's like, oh, oh no. Because <laughs> his, right yeah. his trauma gets involved and right. he just makes bad decisions, even though he's the smartest guy in the room or thinks he is. That's interesting. Oh. I mean, I talk to on the on the podcast all the time about this idea of learning the craft, you know, so it really sounds like you were very open from the beginning to just learn. Cause I, yeah. I think that's another ego trip sometimes that, that right. Or ego block that writers trip over. is like, if I have a story in my head, I should be able to get it from my head to the paper with minimal intervention from experts. You know, oh, I, I just no. find that uh, that is pretty prevalent. Um, but just because we have a talent of storytelling doesn't mean that it can get from brain to paper easily, right? No, I am not concise. So having an editor that helped me become more concise. Uh, but also that just comes from years and years of martial arts training. There's always someone bigger, better, faster, yeah. stronger. You're always going to get your butt kicked, you know, at some point or not. So you learn humility pretty fast, especially in judo, where it's a Japanese art and you're just, yeah, going in with a big ego, you're going to get your butt kicked. That's so, interesting. Okay. You know, a lot of this and 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 as in just being in team, I think humility is 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 really important. And again, if my goal is to produce the best possible work, if a five-year-old's got a good idea, I'm gonna use it. You know, I don't care, <laughs> right? If you yeah. came up with like, oh wow. Now, that being said, right? So if a reader is taken out. And they tell me about it. I want to hear what they have to say, mm-hmm. no matter what. Even though I think it's the best bit of prose I've ever written in my entire life. If it took them out, I want to understand why did it take you out? What happened? What what was it about that that would take you out? Was it the fact? Was it the feeling? Was it the wording? And I want to know that so then I can go back. And if someone gets taken out, now, if they say, Chris, you know what you should do with that character? You should do blah, 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 blah. I'm like, that's your story. I'm going yeah, to write my exactly. You can <laughs> keep a that. Right? right. There's a difference. But any reader who says they were taken out by that, by anything, they were taken out of the story. I need to consider it because, right. okay. And I may say, no, that's you. Right. But more than likely, I bet there's a way I can make that more clear. I bet there's a way that I can make it more concise. I bet I can make it more powerful. So I see it as a challenge, right. As like, okay that didn't work for you. Let me see. Can I, can I go sharpen that tool a little bit more? And that's just going to make me a better writer. So yeah, going through it with a good dose of humility, I didn't really think about it like that. I just want the best story and Mm. I'm hiring an editor to help me make it the best story. So, I mean, I spent the first part of my career as, as my first company was advising people as a consultant and out and kind of working with startups. And there was nothing more annoying when I could see stuff happening and they, um, they're paying me to give them advice and then they don't follow it. So the same right. thing, now it's the other way around. I'm paying people for their advice. I'm going to follow it. 
Yeah. I'm going to do what they say because they're the expert and I'm the newbie. Right, I, right, right. I'm talented. I believe I can tell a story, but do I have, I'm still, you know, maybe a yellow bell. I still have a long way to go. And I know, and that's the exciting part for me because I know I'm going to improve. I know book two is going to be better than book one. Right. Um, right. And I just I think- love your attitude about it. I think it, I, I've heard that about martial arts because I think uh, writing is, as you've said, a very solitary career, right? And so the, you don't have that team aspect. You can get very um, shut in into your office or your space or the beach, <laughs> 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 um, wherever you write. But your your that outlook is very correct in just like seeing it as a challenge and seeing it how can I get better and I want to be better at this and I mean we also have to realize that editors are experts and so they're going they're going to tell you the best right <laughs> so like just having that attitude I love getting editing back now as an older writer <laughs> putting <laughs> quotes around that everyone <laughs> you know um, and I think this is part of the journey also just like hitting a certain part of, of life, right. Where you realize, yeah, it's okay. If I don't have all the answers you spent years, you know, getting, gathering all these answers. So please now give them to me and and mark up my page and let me see what it is. And, you know, and just having the confidence to be able to like, I will take what, what I need to and, and learn and keep going. Hmm. So you said that this is going to be a series. Or yep, are you writing standalones? Okay. Yep, is it yeah, going to follow the, the same doctor? Or how is yep, that going to go? Same guy. He's, you know, I leave it kind of a little bit of a cliffhanger where he's, you know, mm-hmm. he's in he's in trouble. And um, so now I'm I'm working on book two now. And uh you know and that I was hoping to get it done last year, but definitely the book marketing side marketing. Uh, I, I struggled <laughs> with. I I, I book definitely book marketing is rough, that. isn't it? It takes time and well, let, let me ask you this. Why did you choose tr- uh, indie publishing over traditionally published? Because I was not what any of the the publishing companies were going to look for. Really? Why do you think that? Yeah, I just don't think, you know, the voice of a, a middle-aged white male they're not looking for. Okay. Yeah. yeah. So, And they're and- about to collapse, I think. <laughs> That's just the other side too is from my research, like they okay. don't do that much for you. And my friends who who I spoke to, you know, they didn't help with the marketing. And one of my friends, you know, they actually launched three other books the same week that his was coming out. Oh, and, wow. um, you know, they released the same house. Yeah. Yeah. Oof, and so right. he wasn't pleased about that. Um, you know, you still have to do most of the marketing yourself. Yeah. I am fortunate that I have the resources where it wasn't a big deal and Amazon makes it really easy. Okay. They do make it super easy. And you um, earn more money that like, just to come down to the nitty gritty. I mean, you're yeah. going to do the work anyway. You also have, I mean, you must be pretty comfortable with the idea of this is a business because you're an entrepreneur. I mean, I, I think that all writers these days, even traditionally, but mostly us indie writers are entrepreneurs. Like that's, that's what you're doing. You're creating a business, right? An entertainment entertainment business. Entertainment, yeah. And and you know, marketing was never my strong suit. Um, you know, very so you're learning writing and marketing. <laughs> yeah, I and I'm really bad at it. I don't think that way. Mm. You know, my I'm like I'm a pretty smart guy and really good with analytical finance strategy and on the creative side. But when it comes to things on marketing, my brain just 
doesn't really think about those things. And when I do, I'd rather you just punch me in the face than have to do it. It'd be less painful. I, I just, <laughs> I, I think despise most of us everything family. to do with it. Now I love giving book readings. I'm, you know, I love being out in front of people. Like I said, I'm an extrovert. I can do Q and a all day. Uh, this, these types of things. I love doing this stuff. It's fun for me, but if you want me to be the one to go out and get the people to be in their seats, just break my finger. It'll be easy. <laughs> it'll be, it'll be more fun. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, now in the next book, I'm going to do it a little bit better and find people who can yeah, help me. Like, like, I don't like social media. I don't think about posting stuff. You know, it's just, it's just not something I'm not, although extroverted, I'm not a person who wants to broadcast my life. Right. You know I mean? yeah, that's and right. I just don't think about things that are, and then things that are actually useful, you know, where I've talked to other people and, you know, it's just, it's just not an area I like, so I'd rather not do it. So I just have to figure out a way I did like investigate in some ads. I thought that was a waste of money. Um, yeah, it's, I well, and it's harder it. starting out. Yeah. I mean, I've, you know, as they say, with every, every book, it gets easier for people to find you and, that's it's horrible to hear, but I when I was writing way back when I was a student and my first manuscript got rejected and Orson Scott Card was sitting in my boyfriend at the time restaurant and he was serving him he didn't know who he was because my husband doesn't read <laughs> he reads nonfiction so Orson Scott Card is there and he was telling him you know her, her manuscript got rejected what should she do and he said write another book and I was like oh my gosh I can't believe he said that but it's true it's true isn't yeah. it you just write um, another one I think I also had unrealistic expectations just because so in that case where my startup mentality came everything goes pretty fast you know, you're really oh, moving okay like and this is a glacial business yeah uh I have worked in 37 different industries and this is the hardest to break in for the least amount of return on investment. So, oh my gosh, are you serious? Oh yeah, for my wow. experience, for my okay. experience and you know the amount of money I pay to write. So I don't think I get paid, I pay to write. Yeah. But I do think, you know, it's still So for me, I'm trying not to think of it as a business because then I'll I'll and when I started you know, launching the book, I did and the CFO creeped back in and kind of took over and really killed the creative voice. So mm. I think the other thing is just producing a bunch of books. I saw an article in the Times about this romance writer. I, I forget her name, but she had the top seven books in romance. Colleen Hoover. Yeah, I think so. And then I looked at like I said, all right, I'm going to look up each one of those books. I'm like, oh, 2006, 2008, right. 2012. So like I'm looking at mine. I'm like. I'm six months into this, like, and yeah, I'm, you're a I have baby. very unrealistic <laughs> expectations that this takes time. Yeah. It takes years. And so I, so I said, you know what, I'm just going to focus on getting the second one. Let me get my process down. Let me get my mm. writing process down. Let me get better as a writer. Let me really improve in my craft. And I'll worry about sales and things like that later, or just, I believe that you know, the raw come across the right people in the right place. And who knows, it could be two years from now. And then all of a sudden right. it's picked up as a show or, you know, an athlete reads and goes, oh my God, you got to read this. And he's got a gazillion followers. And then all of a sudden boom, boom, boom. you just you don't know. know. It's such. Um, I think Colleen Hoover got it because people were TikToking it and she wasn't. It was another reader. Yeah. So I, I think you're right. And I think this goes into 
um, mental health as well as for writers is just mm. really reminding ourselves, right? This is an art. Art is glacial and it is, it's just like inch by inch. And at the same time, just keep writing because that feeds us, right? We want to write. We have the stories in our head. We want yeah. to get it out. And just knowing um, little by little, I mean, I think it's great that Colleen Hoover got to that point, but it is like, not everyone is um, Harry Potter lady, <laughs> Roland, uh, you know, yeah, you know, where the, they knew where the, where this was going and what they could get from it. I mean, I mean, that's after like 50 rejections or something that yeah, she yeah. had. Right. So just knowing that and reminding ourselves of, of that, um, is always good. <laughs> I, know, I, I think it's so hard to tell when it's going to get picked up and whatnot. And, you know, when we, something hits the zeitgeist as, you know, mental health and sports is, is starting to get right. people as athletes are coming out and talking about it. Uh, it's, it's really great, but who knows? So this year, you know, after feeling even, <laughs> and my friend, my best friend is great. And I wouldn't know what to do without him. Cause I, because I'm so results, I'm like, oh man, I really failed last year. He's like, you wrote, you put out your book, you put out the audio, you won several awards. How is that? Because I'm looking at numbers, right? And right, feeling like, right. You know, I got my first royalty check and it was less than one hour of my consulting time. I'm like, oh my God. <laughs> but then I said, like, luckily enough, I don't, I don't need this to live on. You know, right. I have other things that to, to do it. I can focus on it. And I know that's not, every writer. But I also think if you go into writing for the money, unless you're a nonfiction, if you're a nonfiction author and you've done well in business and you have like a methodology and you're putting that in and that's going to lead to speaking engagements and that's your business and your book is your calling card. Great. That's awesome. Right. And that's, that's usually different. like where the, where the top 10% of writers, they think there's less than 10% who make over 150,000. And most of that's from speaking, not from their writing. Yes, it's exactly. Different. Right. But that's okay. That's okay. Right. This is your calling card. Love it. I love nonfiction too. Um, if you're a fiction writer, if you're going in it like for the money, I think that's a tough thing to do. I think it's kind of like um, being a day trader and expecting to pay your mortgage with your day trading. I, I think that's a very dangerous point. Mm -hmm. uh, and I, and I, and I think also writing to market you hear oh this is like one you don't know right you don't know it's and i honestly don't think that anyone really knows how to what's going to be a success what's not um i mean for every silent patient there is and i loved his book i loved it you know alex michael Meadies, you know that just his first book hit but that was you know so many years as a failed screenwriter and then his first book boom right you always have to yeah. look behind right like but that's you know the exception not the rule uh, so one of the things I did for a series is I went and read David Baldacci's first book, John Grisham's okay. first book and Lee Child's first book. And I wanted to compare where I was compared to where these wonderful authors that I love and adore. And I wanted to say, all right, am I their first book? Right. It's so like, right. all right, that's the same thing. Like, all right, I think I'm, I think that's I'm, interesting that you point that out though. Their first book, not their latest book. No, 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 no. I went back to their first one. Right. And to see, like, okay, where am I compared to them? I'm like, okay, I, I think I'm I'm holding my own. I think I told a good story. Um, you know, not kind of compare it to what their sales did or this or that, but just like the story. 
where were they in their journey? Where am I in my journey? Right. And I'm, I'm just a beginner. And I think keeping that beginner's mind is is important because you stay excited. Yeah. And you stay motivated and you want to just tell your story. And, um, you know, hopefully for me, how I want to measure success is that some person someday comes up to me and goes, you know, Chris, because of the, your book, I changed what I was doing. I got help. Oh, okay. Uh, you know, I, I, I stopped whatever I was doing, whether it was drugs or alcohol or gambling. And, you know, I got, I got sober and straight. Um, if someone said that to me, I think, oh my God, that was, then I succeeded because I influenced some person's life. Right. And so I made you, them make a change. You went into this really thinking, and I think that's great to have more, more than just the story but mental health is really important to you. Right. And you, you said even for yourself, like writing was a therapy for you. And I've heard yeah. several authors say that um, their first book was just like the best therapy that they could go through. So you went into this with that really focus of mental health. Was it mostly for men, like focusing on like mental health for men or just mental health? No, there's all, I mean, every character in there has got their issues. <laughs> every character Just like in it. life. <laughs> Obviously I'm coming from a male perspective, mm -hmm. right? And I'm still working on my female voice. Oh, one of my readers, one of my uh, readers, uh, she said it was a, the most, it was a very interesting look into the male psyche. Oh, that's cool. This is like how men think. I'm like, well, yeah. I didn't write it like that. I just, I'm a male. I I'm a male, and I think like this is, this is how I, how my character thinks. Well, but you've know? been around a lot of sports, is dominated yeah. a lot by men, right? So I mean, that's cool because a lot of books are more female psyche. I'm gonna yeah, have to read so that was interesting. I didn't. That's it cool. wasn't my intent, right? But um, but I think it's very important to work on. But I have very strong female characters. I grew up around very strong women. My mom, my grandparents. You know, I grew up with very strong women in my life, and I like strong women characters. And, mm. and I think the women in, in head case are also very strong. I, it's very interesting when some of the guys have come back and one of their favorite characters was, you know, this very strong, feisty, redheaded Scott, Scottish woman, Lori. <laughs> and, you know, she was just, she didn't play around and yeah. yet she had a good heart and, you know, was really trying to protect Andrew from himself you know, in this gambling den, the five iron where they were from her, her boss, you know, Fergus, and who was really you know, getting him into a, a really deep, dark place where he could control him. And right. so it's interesting, one of the feedback that I got, and people really like that character. And yeah, she's a badass. And I, I like writing strong female character. I'm learning my female board. I haven't, I'm not an expert at it. I write males very good. And I write kids voices very good. Oh, that's, that's awesome. Hey, that's we can't at. do everything perfectly. Um, no. But is mental health going to be a theme going forward throughout the whole series, you think? Yeah, definitely with this and, and everything else, even um, other books I have that are, you know, I have my list of things to do uh, to get through. And I think mental health is always going to be a part of it because I think it's something that we all have. We all have our traumas and we all have our experiences. I mean, I had mine. And helping work through it. I mean, I had eating disorders and, you know, from trying to lose weight for wrestling and, uh, you know, I was bulimic for many years just so I oh, could wow. eat and then make weight. And that right. did a lot of damage to my head, my, you know, my body issues, my, you know, I didn't prepare well 
to go on because I just wanted to beat the scale. Yeah. You know, that was fighting the scale and not, but that's why judo was so great for me. It was actually my Buddhist teacher was the one who told me to take judo and, and it changed everything for me because I went out in a very healthy way with a healthy mindset. I didn't cut weight. I played my natural weight. I had fun with it, you know, and I really was focused on the opponent and I did really well. Mm. You know, I won a lot and I won tournaments and it did quite well. So yeah, mental health is always going to be a part of anything I write because I just think it's so important that it's something I work on every day on right. myself, you know, yeah, and I think that's great. The, how to have a, a good approach life and, um, and make a difference. You know, yeah. at this point, I just want to be able to make a difference and I, hopefully I can do that with my writing. I want to ask your opinion. I want to ask yeah. your opinion on something. I've been thinking about this with this whole, it was, I know this is off track with this chat, P, you know, the chat PT thing or IPT, whatever it is, like, and people now writing books through AI. Like <laughs> I thought about writing in my next book, like none of this book was done with using chat or GPT. <laughs> yeah. None of this book was inquired using, you know, artificial intelligence. We might Other have than, to start doing that. I right. don't know. So people know, like I didn't, this all came from my brain and, and I, I don't think a, a in an AI engine, which I actually have a company that uses AI can write, the characters that I can write. No, I don't There's think no so either. So, I don't, don't feel so. threatened. Don't feel threatened by no, it. No, exactly. I mean, yeah. everyone is seeing, unfortunately, what it's doing is it's causing, especially in the short story world, it's causing a, a traffic jam. So people have started to like push, you know, send them in. And so all the the literary magazines and the, you know, that sort of world, they're getting inundated with just this junk um and so now I, there's this contest that I love doing, um, NYC midnight, and they now have a whole terms and conditions there. Of if they, if it even smells slightly of chat GPT or AI, they'll just toss it. And I think that's good. And I think it'll get, but of course there's trolls everywhere now. So they're just going to, you know, make this sort of traffic jam and, um, but well, like, you, like we talked about, you got to sell that book, man. You, you <laughs> like, go ahead and get a chat GPT to, you know, spit it out. Good luck selling it. Like yeah. that's, that's the rest. Well, I think the next thing will come is just uh, someone's going to come up with and with just an, an AI detector. Yeah, probably. That, yeah, that's you're right. right. So you Our have the offense right now. You're going to come up with defense, right? So yeah. same thing. If this, one person has this one move that you can't beat no matter what, someone will come up with a, a defense to it. Right. So the next thing that's going to come out is it is a, is an AI detector. Oh yeah, we did. Cause I'm sure the universities they'll sell it to all the universities because all the, the teachers are, are concerned about kids doing plagiarism. And to me, that's an ethics issue. Yeah. And I think that's a failure in ethics that you feel like because of all these cheat codes and games and, and you hear about these hacks rather than this is hard. Yeah. And it's good to do very hard things in life. True. It takes sacrifice. I made a lot of sacrifices in my life. It builds to, character, right? Yeah. And I, th I don't think you get anywhere without hard work, sacrifice, right. and skill. And yeah, I, I don't think you're going to feel good about yourself either. Like yeah. if you take the easy way out, great. You wrote a book, like good, you know, G chat GPT wrote a book for you. Okay, what does that even mean? <laughs> you know, like you didn't write a book, you slapped your name on something that a robot created. And technically the robot didn't create it. 
they took it from the millions of places that it sees on the web. So they took the words of other people to put into your book. So you're right. It it is just an ethics problem. And um, I don't worry about it because, you know, people, if they want the, the, the pill, the magic pill, I can't, I can't do anything about that. I would rather struggle with my characters and write this <laughs> book, right? right? Like you said, yourself. we miss our characters. We got to go write with them. I don't know. Write yourself into a corner and then you're yes. like, oh. go into despair. You know? And then eventually have your mom say, this is good. I mean, that is like the best thing ever, right? So, so yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Good so way to end. Like, don't, don't, don't worry about it, guys. Just keep going. Just get through it. Just put in the time, put in the sweat, put in. You'll, like you said, Kat, that you you'll have something that you're proud of. Yeah. So yeah. I'm, I'm very proud of it. Um, you know, it's on all different. The audio book, actually, the audio book is amazing. The actor who did it, I had sixty different speaking parts, so I had to count them all. And he did all the all of them, and so I got New York accents, New England accents, two Scottish characters, wow, you know, all different people from different places. He was amazing, uh, PJ Oakland, award-winning audio, and it was for me. I totally recommend it if, if you can swing it. Like hearing your work read by someone else, it's really wonderful. He kind of brought my, and he's a professional trained actor. Right. So he bought my characters alive and uh, the audiobook is absolutely fantastic. That's cool. That's cool. That's my next step. I'll be doing a Kickstarter to get some audio in there. But I love, I mean, it's, there's that other question too of using AI for audio. And I can, I understand both sides of the argument, you know, it sort of brings down the, the cost, but then I feel bad for the actors. <laughs> so I haven't quite decided on that one. I think uh, what I would do for that is when I feel like my book was done, I might use that AI audio for myself and my editor and mm. like, all right, how does it sound? And, but then eventually give it to a real actor because there's right. just going to be an energy. Honestly, like not to get too woo-ish, but there's an energy that they bring to it that a machine does not and cannot. It's not yeah. capable. And that energy is going to res- resound and connect. Think about the books that you've listened to. It, uh, like Artemis from Andy Weir that Rosario Dawson did. I can listen to that all day long because she's amazing. Yeah. Right. And, and you find those, those actors that you've listened to or, and they bring something to it. It's um, true. You with, can't you can't beat it. Honestly, a yeah. good a good actor on audio, like, um, there's there's nothing better, especially but, when they can do the accents. Oof. Yeah, and mine were tough. He did it, and, and I think cool. though you using it for yourself, like I'll use on Word the the read feature because I want to hear it too, and I think that's a good thing. I think using it for yourself as a training tool. But as far as the publishing, I get it. I understand because money's money, you know, yeah. and it, this stuff isn't cheap. It's expensive. Uh, but I think if you if you think of your your book, your art, that it has to be the best possible and bring out like you want it to touch somebody and affect them or just entertain them. Right. Mm. 
Um, and I think that's what happens when you confuse the money part with, and, and, oh, I got to get it out there. I got to make it money and this and that with just, this is the creation of, of something from your brain and your mind and sharing it. And that's easy for me to say. And I understand that because, you know, I don't have to rely on my, my book writing. Um, but it is something I think that's important. And it's hard for me to remember that too, because it is because well, I, I think brain. it's good to be realistic as a writer too, though, that most people, if they're on their own income, if they're the primary income holder, the chances of quitting that job to become a full-time writer are pretty low. In fact, we interview people because of that, you know? So like those people who have made it that far, again, have been in the industry for a while. And so, and then kudos to them, they work hard at it. It is a full-time job and they've figured out a way to do it, but there aren't very many. And so just to be very realistic about why are you writing? What do you want from it? Have your dreams, but also be realistic. And mm -hmm. You know, lots of people do other things. I mean, the majority of the indie authors that I know who who work full time, me included, I make my money teaching over selling books. Now, is it still my dream to get to the point where I sell those books? Absolutely. You know, but I need a couple more. I have three out, you know, That's three great. more coming, you know, but but I have learned. I mean, I think especially when you are starting out, of course, you have those dreams you know, like one book and it will hit at the same time, even if it does hit, it'll, will eventually fall off. It's an art form. People move on. They've read the book. They told their friends, they read the book. Now they're on to other things. There are people out there that read like 300 books a day, a year, you know, so um, it will fall off. You will have to write another book unless it's the nonfiction calling card. Um, so why are you writing? You know, and so I always tell people that I coach, like, is this something that fulfills you just because you're writing and you're learning and you, you just love it? Then it's worth doing, even if it can sometimes, you know, make you want to punch a wall. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, absolutely. You know, like I, I was doing my taxes and I was like, look, I earned $15 last month. You know? <laughs> um, and it's just one of the, my husband was asking me like, what, what happened this month versus that month? I said, I wasn't doing promotions. I was doing something else. So, you know, it is one of those things. I know Kirsten Oliphant, she, she spends 5,000 a month or at least did to make 5,000. You know, so she would sell so that it's just all it's a business. And it, once you get to that point, you have 20, 25 books. It's a business. You have to constantly be selling it. You have to be spending yeah. the money, you know, and it, it's just constantly changing that mindset. Set. If you think about the business model and why it's so difficult and why I said this one is with many businesses, you have a subscription model. So, right, your book okay. costs $20 or they're paying $20 a month for something. This person, you, you, you had this time and effort to acquire the customer. They buy one book, right? right? It's only yeah. one book at a time. And now you got to do the whole thing again, right? It's not like they're buying a book every month from Good you yeah. or yeah. it's not a, a, a repeatable where you get that customer and you have them forever. And the only bad thing about Amazon is you never know who your customers are. So yeah. you don't have that type of relationship. And right. like, again, where I'm, I struggle with, I'm like, you know, build your mailing list. How? Every time my friends like, how do you do that? Yes, 
I went through the people that I know and yes, they joined and this and that, but okay, how do I get people who don't know me? Like, so these are really, really hard things to do. And again, it's a model where you get sell one book, you make four or $5 at most. And you gotta go find the next. <laughs> you can't yeah. even buy one at Starbucks at that. <laughs> <laughs> right. So it's like, it's very, very interesting. And then you, you spent all this effort time. You did a reading, you did that. Like, you may never see them again. They may not ever, they might not write a review. You know, well, there's like and, and you'll do a promotion where you know you'll put it on sale and then you'll start getting emails of, well, the sale's over, but can you sell it to me for that sale price or can you give it to me for free? Lots of people get books for free now. You know, and so there are times that it's frustrating where you just want to say, I spent I I put a lot of time into this book. You and if people and I tell people all the time, if you buy a print book. The author's getting maybe $3 from it, maybe, with paper prices going up and um, shipping fees going up, it's gone down a lot. And so I had to up my book because one of my books is pretty long. It had to, Amazon told me it has to be uh, up to $17. Otherwise you will owe us every time somebody buys this book. That happened with me on Ingram's, <laughs> Ingram Spark and Lulu. So on Ingram yeah. Spark, I was like negative. <laughs> I had to increase the price. Yes, you have to pay them. So, you know, it's just these little things behind the scenes that people don't understand. And I get it. You know, it, it feels like a lot to spend $18 per book, or but you can get it on ebook. But it, it just goes into a lot. And it's just, it's a, it's a rough industry. <laughs> you got to it. I said, it's, like I said, 37 industries. This is the toughest to break into and make a good return of all the industries I've been in. Um, it, But when we look at the reward, it's pretty rewarding. Yeah. It, you know, it's, it and, and I get to live in my imagination, which is a lot of fun. It's a you know, these characters are, are you a lot get to explore some really dark things without having to be dark. <laughs> you know yeah, that's another thing. People ask, like, oh, are you like your character? And I'm like, no, we're nothing alike. I don't want to gamble away my life. What are you talking about? I, no, actually, but real quick story. So my friends were playing cards. We're like nine or 10 years old. So we go out and play cards. And I showed up late and we get done playing and I was just having fun they're like okay Chris were you like three dollars and so I'm like what we were playing for real money you didn't tell me I was so <laughs> mad and I remember leaving like having to go get my money I'm never gonna gamble ever again this is the stupidest thing ever and I'm like, yeah. And then you're like, yeah it's yeah. great we get to walk in the shoes of someone we we're curious about but we don't really want to be we don't want to risk that oh, you know wow. but we want to we want to see what it would be like if somebody would risk it I mean, I, I think it's great. Andrew's favorite drink is scotch. And until I, after I finished the book, someone said, don't you think you should? And I said, do you drink it? I'm like, no, I've never had it in my life. I'm like, well, why don't you go try it? I'm like, okay. And I, now I like it. But like, there's so <laughs> many things. Like I had to learn how to play poker because I didn't know like by, uh, Texas Hold'em. I learned for the book. So luckily my editor was a poker player. So he nice. helped me with some of the terminology. And honestly, I never play video games. But I downloaded a game on my phone and it really helped me understand positioning, <laughs> when to fold, when not, bluffing. Like it really helped me understand the game by playing the video game. So I like I played that. I watched like on Masterclass and uh, Daniel Negreanu, who's a professional one, and like how he reads people. 
And that's and that's what Andrew yeah. gets off on. He doesn't care so much about the money. He's a psychologist and he wants to use all of his psychology to read someone and master their mind and own them. And that's where he gets his, his <laughs> thrill from, that he can predict to the point when they're going to fold and what cards they have. You know, that's and that, funny. yeah, and that's that's what he gets off on, you know, and that's why he gets that thrill. Um, so, yeah, you, you know, I can go to these dark places, uh, these people that I see and they've had horrific, but doesn't mean like I would ever do any of those. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Uh, well, as we close out, how, how can people find you and your next, you know, if you do any readings or anything and where can they find the book? Yep. So you can go to my website. It's uh, chriskjones.com. And you can actually, um, for your readers, you can, if you sign up for the newsletter, you can get the first seven chapters free. Awesome. Uh, so happy to do that. If any of your listeners have any direct questions, they can email me at headcase at chriskjones.com. And I'd be more than happy to answer any questions. My uh, social media is headcase underscore novel on Twitter, Instagram. Uh, LinkedIn is Christopher K. Jones and Facebook is Chris K. Jones author. Awesome. We'll have all those links in the show notes for you guys. Um, seven chapters free is very generous. So I think everyone should go over there and check out this new. <laughs> I think if you don't like it after seven chapters, then don't buy the book. <laughs> no, that's true. I mean, I like that attitude too. Like we don't really want to gather readers who aren't going to really read the book. Right. <laughs> so we need yeah. to think. Hey, you're still listening. Since you are, could you do me a favor and head over to the app that you're listening to this episode on and hit the subscribe button and then rate and review the show? It would really help the Pencils and Lipstick podcast get out into the world. And if you're enjoying the podcast, well, then there might be more people out there who would enjoy it as well. If you want to find out more about me, you can head over to catcaldwell.com. I have my story over there, my books, my interactive journals, my one-on-one coaching information, and information on my creative writing community membership group. If you're looking to write a book or you are a writer and you just want to find out more about how to write, how to publish, how to format, how to market, and all the things that go into being an author these days, check out the membership group. There is a 14 free day trial that you can try it out, get into the masterminds, find out all the goodies that we are talking about in the group. I would love to see you there.